0: An elderly couple is harassed for almost 10 years inside their small town, Ohio, home. They had no known enemies, and police could never find any evidence of who was behind the nefarious scheme. This special minisode will discuss the haunting of Bill and Dorothy Wacker. podcast about bad things welcome 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 in guys we've got a fun little minisode for you this is brad your host of killing missing hidden and today we are going to talk about what i'm calling the haunting of bill and dorothy wacker since it's a minisode we're just going to jump right in and get down and dirty with it bill and dorothy wacker Lived in a small town in Ohio, and they were the target of consistent, continuous, and kind of vicious harassment from 1984 all the way to 1993. Now, Bill looked like a tired, retired man. Dorothy, however, looked like she had to fight a grizzly to get the morning paper and then cooked up a proper breakfast all before 8 a.m. So, like I said, this begins in 1984. The Whackers come home one day to find their house ransacked. They clean up, don't call the police. A few months later, they come home to find their house totally ransacked for a second time. But neither time was anything stolen. The Whackers had lived in the same house for 48 years and never experienced anything like this, but they took no action. However, you can come after the Whackers twice, but that third time, they ain't going to take it no more. When someone broke in and ransacked their house again in January of 1985, they called the sheriff. The police came by and did an investigation, but really there wasn't much they could do because no evidence was really left behind, and again, nothing was taken. In that summer, July of 1985, Dorothy was home alone recovering from heart surgery when a strange white man with blonde hair, about five foot nine, came to the door and asked to use the phone. He claimed his vehicle had broken down. Though Dorothy couldn't see the car, she let the man in. He made his call, thanked Dorothy, and left the house. Except he didn't. Moments later, he snuck up behind Dorothy and knocked her out with a blow to the head. She woke up, bound, and gagged on the kitchen floor. But again, no one messes with Dorothy Wacker. She managed not only to remove the gag, but also to get to an open window and call for help, all the while not knowing if this man was still in the house. Neighbors heard her screams and called the police, who helped free Dorothy. Though I have no doubt she would have freed herself and forged her bindings into a weapon with which she would seek revenge if given enough time. But, in all seriousness, Dorothy was okay despite the assault. Bill naturally rushed home. He decided to check on their valuables and this time found things that were missing. He could not find an antique watch their movie camera, or a radio scanner. Oh, and his 22 revolver. Second, oh, there was a message scrawled on the dining room wall with a crayon that read, Cheaper but will do. No explanation as to why police did not see this when they came to aid Dorothy. Oddly enough, four months later, the revolver appeared on their front porch wrapped in a plastic grocery bag. Over time, the other three objects also reappeared in the same manner. Naturally, they were checked for fingerprints and all that and nothing never came up. So the next step was for the harasser or harassers to be calling the house. Often when one of them would answer, it'd be somebody just breathing deeply But sometimes they would make specific threats of violence against the family. The Whackers changed their phone number, but the calls didn't stop. They changed their number again, and the calls actually began to occur much more frequently. I think they ended up changing their number four or five times, and the harassment just stepped up with every change. Next, the Whackers began hearing banging on the side of their house. Bill tried his best to catch whoever was doing it in the act, but never could. He decided to install security lights, motion-activated lights, on the sides of his house. The banging stopped, but one morning the Whackers found a crumpled-up note on the front porch saying, Your lights are a laugh. And this started a new trend of harassment, notes being left on the porch. These notes were always kind of scribbled on scraps of paper in a really jagged handwritten style. Uh, Some folks have commented that looked like somebody was trying to write with their non-dominant hand. Again, no fingerprints were ever left on the notes. And these notes were not holiday letters or wishes for a good year. They were more threats and unsettling statements. In October of 1993, we're jumping ahead here, Dorothy was again attacked from behind. But this time, her injuries were severe enough that she had to go to the hospital. She had a concussion along with lacerations along her skull. Police did a pretty thorough search for the assailant, but there was no one who witnessed the attack, including Dorothy, and police couldn't find any clues in the home. In November of 93, just a month later, the Whackers decided they were going to bring the situation to a head. They formed a posse. Yes, a proper posse. And they staked out their own house. They had three groups who watched the house from all angles and used two-way radios or walkie-talkies to keep in touch. They watched the house for about four hours and decided to call it a night around 10.30. When they went to walk inside, however, there was another note on the porch. All it said was, get the message. No one could figure out how someone could evade the security lights and all three teams of watchers, at least two of which were focused on the front door and the front porch, to leave the note. Now, sadly, Bill died in 1999, and Dorothy passed in 2010. The mystery of this harassment was never solved and likely never will be. So, this case obviously is nothing but a field of questions growing as far as the eyes can see. All of this seems like a randomly targeted harassment campaign, but I can't explain how they couldn't see anyone leave a note during the stakeout. And it's curious that the note would be left on this random night where they did a stakeout. That kind of leaves us with two theories. And these are going to be very mind-blowing theories, so prepare yourself. My two theories are either the harassment really did happen or it didn't happen. I can feel a hush, an odd silence embrace you. Just from the staggering genius of, of the way I think here. I know. Okay, so if we accept that something weird's going on here, we can apply any number of guesses to the situation. I and mean, frankly, aliens is as good a guess as any other theory. And I've even heard some, uh, uh, you know, on the internet take this approach. To me, it doesn't explain the two kind of brutal attacks on Dorothy. I like to think of my aliens as being a little above bludgeoning their targets. But how could a normal man or a team of men continue this harassment for so long without any real obvious motive or benefit in doing so? I would think that you would have to hate someone to do just 10% of what the Whackers experience. To be this heartless for such a long period of time, screams crazy. Now, the other side of the coin to me is that the Whackers are the ones telling these stories for attention. Now, this theory is screwed up from the get-go because it means you have to accept that Bill, presumably, twice attacked his wife in such a brutal fashion that she ended up having to go to the hospital. And the first attack came right after she had heart surgery, so it's not an easy theory to buy. But no one else ever experienced the events the Whackers complained of. It's entirely possible Bill was writing the notes, and that would certainly explain why, on the night of the stakeout, when they come in on the front porch, Bill finds a note when no one saw anyone come close to the house. It would also explain why Bill's items were eventually returned to him. So, of our two theories, neither of which I've delved deeply into, because there's just not a lot of good sources on this case, but of these two theories, I'm going to take the approach that this was likely a hoax of some sort. It's Two people committed to a hoax, but it makes more sense to me than some unknown cabal or other force that was out to get this random elderly couple. Now, it's also possible Bill and Dorothy weren't behind this, and that it was one of the neighbors they trusted who was committing the harassment. I mean, as we've learned, if you've listened to this podcast before, there are definitely some cray-cray people in the world They're willing to do some sick things for their own personal thrills. And this would actually be rather mild compared to what other folks do. Now, I did find one rumor on the internet that is totally unsubstantiated. There's no news sources backing this up. But by the same token, it's the type of theory where there wouldn't be news sources to back it up. So it's the perfect internet theory. Some folks argue that there was a rumor that a property company was in the process of buying up all the little plots of land in this area, and they wanted to buy the Whackers' house. Well, again, like I said at the top of this minisode, the Whackers had lived in this house for almost 50 years, and it's entirely possible they said, no, we ain't selling, we're happy here. So maybe the developer not wanting to have its reputation sullied by the idea that they somehow bullied this elderly couple into leaving their house of 50 years or using the legal system to do this bullying, maybe they resorted to more underhanded tactics that really wouldn't tie them to making these people leave their house. Now, that's a stretch. I... No large, reputable company would, I take that back. It would be very odd for a large, reputable company to take this route, especially for such a prolonged period of time. I've had clients that have claimed an employer or an opposing party have done minor bits of harassment, For a short period of time, but it takes a lot of emotional energy to fuel this type of campaign of harassment. But this theory is as good as any other, so that's why I included it. And thus ends the tale of the haunting of the Whackers. It's a weird one. Like I said, it will never be explained to us since both the Whackers are are dead. But it's an interesting little case to pass on for this mini-sode. Now, if y'all have any theories, I would love to hear them because I just don't have enough evidence to go one way or another with this one. Please send us an email. It's info at kmhpodcast.com. Letting us know your theories. Any ones that are, you know, not profanity-laden or or... Nothing more than uh, racial slurs or Nazi propaganda we'll read in a future episode. Um, but seriously, I'd love to hear some some legit opinions from others on what happened here. But I'm going to stop this bus ride here and leave the rest to your imagination. As always, everybody be safe and good. And know that I'm kind of fond of y'all for listening to this mini-sode. Thanks again. Brad out. Thank you for listening to Killing, Missing, Hidden. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and share. Questions? Email us at info at kmhpodcast.com.